Success stories and interviews with game changers and thought leaders who have overcome both in life and in business. Welcome to Vertical Momentum. Hey guys, it's me, the Comeback Coach. Guys, I just want to tell you about a person in my life that is truly, truly amazing. And she's actually changing the world one house, one home at a time. Her name is Tammy Moses of The Hoarding Solution. She's the founder and chief encouragement officer of Homes Are For a Living, The Hoarding Solution, which is a veteran-owned and operated business. Tammy provides virtual consultations and workshops on the issues of hoarding. She believes in inspiring others to take their adversity and use it for the greater good. She is the voice of AKOPTH, adult kids of parents that hoard. She is also a voice and advocate for our, of, for YLITH, Youths Living in the Horde. You can connect with Tammy at homesareforliving at gmail.com and on Facebook at Instagram at The Hoarding Solution. So guys, if you know anybody that's struggling with ho- any kind of hoarding issue, please reach out to Tammy she has a heart of service and she truly cares about people. All right, guys, remember vertical momentum. The only way to go is but up. Hey, guys, we are live. Guys, this is going to be a fun episode with my friend Dan. We're going to be talking about a lot of great things. But first of all, yes, I am a low tech redneck. I'm finally starting to try to figure some of this stuff out. So I want to say thank you guys for always being there for me. I want to thank our sponsors. As you can see, we got new scrolling stuff going down there. Uh, Balish Woodworks. If you guys love homemade woodworking, Balish, Kurt Balish is the man, the myth, the legend. And also Miss Tammy Moses from The Hoarding Solution. She's helping people that are dealing with hoarding issues, but also a lot of people that are dealing with mental health issues. So thank you, Tammy. Dan, my brother, what's going on? It's been a while since we talked. Oh man, I'm super happy to be here and loved our first conversation. Love everything about what you are doing and the light you are bringing in the world, man. So let's do this thing. Yeah. So it's been a while um, since we both had, I, you had me on your amazing show and I had you on my show and some of the things we, the last time we left off, we were talking about sales, talking about podcasting, but then, then after that, you started having some health issues how was your health? How are you feeling? <laughs> well, I was having some health issues before and after that. It's been quite a collection and it's, it's been a journey to go through. It's something that I never thought, you know, we, as we grow up, I think in some ways we feel like we're invincible. And then even when we start to see a little bit, like I've had back pain or I've had concussions, I've had things like that throughout my life. And then I had the, I had the first heart attack. And when I had the first heart attack, I was like, all right, this is really hard, man, but, but I'm through it. And then I had the second heart attack and it was like, wait a minute, hold on. What, what's that all about? And then I figured out that it was going to be an ongoing issue. And I've had to go through this process between that and some liver disease and some and a thyroid issue and a shoulder issue and a knee issue and a couple cancer scares. That's a lot for 10 months. And I think the biggest thing that I've had to recognize is that there is that there is a new normal for me. And that doesn't mean I have to accept the way that everything is, but I do need to accept that 
things aren't going to be the way that they were before. And I think a lot of us can probably learn from that. A lot of us can probably take this, this, this wish that, oh, I wish it was like it was before. I can't wait until it gets back to like it was before and realize that just by the nature of the passage of time, things are never really going to be the same as they were before. But particularly when you have big major things happen to you, and I know you know something about that as well. So now, because like I said, and, and I'm also going through um, now it's time to, um, as they say, you know, I've heard it said that a lot of people, they spend their their health trying to build wealth and then they spend their wealth trying to get healthy again. Right. So now I'm at a point where it's like, okay, you know, I jumped on the scale the other day and you know how you get those Facebook memories? Yeah. And, I had one from 10 years ago and I, I was so proud because I was down, I was down 173 pounds. Holy mackerel. I got to tell you, man, you're looking good. So, but now I look, I I'm, I'm 50 pounds heavier than I was then. And I'm realizing, you know, what? if I'm going to be the father and the husband and hopefully the grandfather and, you know, eventually down way, way down the road, but I need to be healthy. You know, right. I no, to. I, I got that. So Me now too. how did you, you know, when we're going through this stuff, how did you just keep waking up every day and still doing, you know, your podcast, still doing the work while you don't even know if, if you're going to wake up tomorrow morning? Well, you know, it's interesting. There's There are a couple levels to that. First, I have learned in this has become, I guess, a, a positive for me in a sense, but I, I don't wake up to an alarm, so to speak, anymore. I wake up to pain as my alarm. Every morning when I wake up, I have severe angina that wakes me up at about a pain level of maybe a six and a half on the 10th. And it takes me an hour or two to kind of let that dissipate. So that was not exciting and it's pretty exhausting. And thankfully we're, we've been adjusting medications. We had some, we had a bunch of medicine conflicts that cost me a few months and I couldn't really do anything significant. But then we had a, we, we had a little bit of a breakthrough, got some things organized. And then I was able to start asking myself some important questions. One is, you know, I, I at first I got really upset because I, if you made your to-do list of things that are urgent and important, even if you made it right, like I couldn't do anything in the top 10. And so I felt so defeated. I felt so lost. I, and, and because of that, it got to me. I mean, I've struggled with anxiety and depression for a lot of my life. And it, I, I, I just, I felt like the darkness kind of closing in. I felt the gray eating me up and I got to a spot where I talked to my doctor and this is going to sound strange, but I talked to my cardiologist and I, I was describing my morning tour and she looked at me and she's like, okay, all right, well, let's talk about something else. And I just realized it was at that moment that it clicked that like, okay, this isn't going to change. And they're, and like, we're, we're kind of just in the management of it. So if it isn't, I'm not going to be defeated by it. I'm going to step past it. And I started asking myself, no matter what number it is on my to-do list, what is one thing that I can do? What is one thing that will energize me? And that was hard because I've always been the guy that like gets stuff done, right? But here I am looking at like number 11 or number 13, and that's the first one that I can do. I literally was in a space where I couldn't like reply to emails and it they would go unanswered for months. And that had to do with the medicine conflict and everything else. So I started doing those. 
And then strangely enough, that started giving me energy. Oh, wait, I'm, I'm accomplishing something. I started getting a little bit of energy back. I started doing some things that energized me. Getting the medicine conflict sorted out allowed me to start eating a little better and, and exercising, which certainly helped. I've got, I'm at the heaviest I've ever been. So I've got weight to lose. And my cardiologist said, Dan, you've got to lose some weight. I said, cool. Could you do me one favor? She said, what's that? I said, could you take the three medicines that I'm taking, all of which the number one side effect is weight gain and maybe give me something else? Unfortunately, she said no, but I was able to start making choices. I used that energy to springboard me into doing more. And in the last four weeks, I've went from maybe 10% of my old capacity to 80% of my old capacity, and we're getting stuff done. That's one thing. And the second I would mention is that through it all, even when I had 10% of capacity, I was determined to serve. I was determined to fulfill the mission that I have in the world as, as much as I could. And honestly, it wasn't much. I was able to do the podcast every week, but even that was a lot of solo episodes. I didn't have the energy for the interviews. And I was able to have a few conversations and that was about it. All right. So now, because I've been in that, I've been in a situation to where, you know, at one point, you know, 10 to 11 years ago, I was an M1 Abrams tank commander. I was in charge of a hundred million dollar vehicle, um, you know, able to shoot tanks at four miles away. And now I'm blind and I can't even see to get to the bathroom. And, and it kind of brings your, that manlyhood, it, it kind of knocks it down a level, a lot of levels. So what was that like having to, instead of the one that's always taking care of everybody to be taken care of? And for me, I learned how to be humble about it and eventually be thankful for, for my family, for being able to take care of me. What was that like for you? Well, that's a really important question as well as being a good one. And for me, I've spent my life as a giver right? Like I, I want to go do everything for other people. I want to give to them. I want to support them. I want to help them get where they're going. My whole life's mission is to help 984,000 people achieve their dreams so that they create generational change for goodness sake. And through this process, looking back on the heart attacks, but honestly more in the last five or six months, I have learned so much about receiving and about how important being willing and being good at receiving is. I can't, I don't know that I can claim that I'm good at it at this point, but I'm I'm much more willing, I'm much more open, and I'm certainly incredibly grateful. But I it there were a lot of games that our mind plays, and I, I know you know a lot about this, right? Of oh, they're they're just doing it because they have to, or oh, they did it for the first minute, but they're not gonna care later, or oh, how am I gonna pay them back? Like this equation that happens in our head and it's such a double standard because when we give, and I, I know your heart very well, I know I know mine. When I give, I don't expect, I, like I have no expectation of any of you back. I give to give, but we don't give other people the benefit of that same doubt. We we don't we don't give them the benefit of being generous, and that's where that that push pull comes in. In my case, I really had to learn to receive. I mean, I had I had opportunity that where people came and took care of me, I had opportunity where people showed up and did something nice or where even at one point, someone just Venmoed me some money and just said, Hey, I just want to help. And all of those things of being a provider, a giver, a, a guy who stands there and gets stuff done to, to suddenly not be able to get stuff done, to have other people doing it for me 
I had to learn how to receive that, not just in general, but with a good heart and a good perspective and one where I gave them the opportunity to be generous. And I had, I had one friend sit down with me who is very generous, who was one of the people that was helping. And he said, look, you're missing a message. And I, I think if everybody in the audience could hear this message, th this is really important. He said, when you don't receive well, you are diminishing and, and, and you are taking away from the opportunity that the other person has to do what they're meant to do in the world. Not, not, they're not, it, it's not about judging them. It's about accepting it with, like you said, humility, but it's also about giving them the opportunity to do what they're called to do just like you would in another case. And so if you don't, you know, we think if we receive, we're, if we, if we do it, we're being less, but really if we don't receive, we're being less and we're doing bad things to the people who are trying to give. And it's an honor to receive. It's not a, it's not a weakness. It's an honor. I love it. So now you're, you're back at 80% and you just celebrated. I don't know if they would call it an anniversary. <laughs> Uh, a second chance. So talk to us about that. Yeah, man. I, uh, yesterday I, I made a post and I make a post on this day on many years. And I certainly talk about it. Yesterday was the 12th anniversary of the most recent time that I chose to live. And what I mean by that, to put it directly, is that 12 years ago yesterday was the most recent time that I attempted to take my own life. And thankfully, 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 did not succeed at that and am here to share the message that there is always light through the darkness and that you have every reason to live, even if you can't see it in the moment. I, this is, as I think, you know, very well, Richard, this is an incredibly passionate topic for me. So I can talk about this in all the ways that you want, man, but it is, it's so important. And that's why I share on that day because I chose to live and I, I celebrate that, but I know there are many who struggle. I've lost 136 people that I personally know to suicide. I've attempted twice and never will again. And the world is less for every one of those lights that went out. There is always light through the darkness. There is always a perspective to be gained in the future. And I have not met a single person in my world that is, say, 10 years later, that isn't grateful that they made it through the darkness and that they have an opportunity to meet people, have an impact on people, be impacted by others and share and shine their light in the world. And the podcast that I host is based around a lot of that exact thing. And we've shared, we've shared that message for many, but yesterday was my day to put that piece of the message into the world. So now talk to us about what led up to the moment when you decided that you wanted not to live and yeah, then that, what was the end result? What made you decide I want to live? Cause cause I tell everybody, you know, for, for me, you know, the three most important words in the English language are today I decide. So you made a decision and then you made another decision. So talk to us about both decisions. Yeah. And, 
it's important to understand that this was the this was actually the second attempt for me. The, and, I, and I think we talked about this in our in our first conversation as well, Richard. The the first attempt was when I was younger, when I was sixteen. It was what I would call the standard or the normal attempt, which is really awful to be able to say. But since suicide is the largest pandemic in the world by far, with in my of all the people I know, roughly 30% of them have either seriously considered or actually attempted suicide. 70% of the people that I know struggle with anxiety or depression. And those are alarming numbers. If you're hearing that and you're not believing it, here's another number for you. In the US, every single day before the pandemic, 3,000 teenagers attempted to take their life. And that was before the pandemic. Now, I believe it's closer to 5,000 every day, just teenagers, just U.S. This is the largest pandemic in the world. And so for me, when I talk about this again, I mean, this is this is a, a very much a passion area for me. Twelve years ago, I was, as so many people do, having difficulty with my spouse and we had a big fight. We split and my as I look back for the for the longest time. I said, that was the thing. That was the reason that everything happened. Now that I've done the work, I recognize that that was like the straw and the camel. I'd been cooking on that for months or even years. And a lot of things, including me having a lot of insecurity, me covering that with ego, me being broken and not, not having fed in, me not having talked to people in in a way or felt freedom to have the resources that I needed led up to this, that moment, that night, it was the conversation that was just the, the final thing. And it broke me. And I, I, I can tell you as literally as I could internally, I felt something just break and I went to nothing. And all of my identity had been tied up in being a husband and a father and in, and in giving and being, being there and doing the thing. And when no longer could I, was I in that moment. And again, that's the thing about these situations. We only see the moment we're so caught in it that, that we lose perspective. We lose the after we even lose the before we certainly lose the ability to see around us. All I saw in that moment was what I had tied up in my identity to be was gone. And I then looked and said, well, if I can't do that, if I can't serve my family, if I can't be in that space, if I can't fulfill the only purpose I have in the world, the one thing that I can do is donate my life insurance to my family. And I, at that point, I had a large life insurance policy and it did not have an exception. And so I, I in a completely broken mindset, I thought, well, if I can't give one thing, I'll give the rest. And I, and, and it was so twisted because I thought that a few dollars for my family would be worth more than me being there for the rest of their lives. And that's just, they could not be further from the truth. It's the twisted th decisions our mind makes in the dark. And I get it again. I've been there twice and I wasn't a little bit there. So I walked downstairs I said goodbye to my son. I hugged him. I cried. I, I said goodbye. I walked out. I got in my car. I took the chip out of my phone so that nobody could track me. I drove down to by where the trains go across. I knew the train path and I knew the train schedule. And I sat there and waited for the train. And I was 
See, this is going to be a little different. This part of it's a little different than a lot of stories because I was completely convinced. I wasn't halfway convinced. I was completely convinced that this was the right thing. I wasn't doubting. I wasn't wondering. And I stepped up there and I waited for the train. And the train came and I willed my body to move and it wouldn't. I willed my body to move. I believed it was the right thing. And I stood there in the dark and I went to step in front of that train and I could not do it. I literally couldn't make my body do it despite everything in me screaming that it was easily the right call and that I was a coward if I didn't. And when the train passed, I broke down and I, I sat and I cried and I cried not because I was alive. I, well, not because I was happy. I was alive. I cried because I was sad that I was. I cried because I thought I was a coward. I cried because I, I couldn't do it because I was angry. I was upset. I was so many things. I went and I put my chip back in the phone and found out that people had been going all over town looking for me because a lot of people wanted me to be alive and I had no idea. And I went back home. And I'd like to tell you that it was the next day that I magically looked and saw through the clouds and it was all perfect. But it wasn't. The next day I woke up and I was bitter and angry and resentful all at myself. And I believed that I, I believed at that point that I had failed. It took me months to realize that I hadn't. It took me months to realize that I was just so locked in that I was missing any perspective. And I think that it, that's probably an important message because when you make it through the moment, that's really important because there's generally a moment that we pick. But when you make it through the moment, it's better, but it's not like all better. It's not like, oh, I'm magically like I flipped the switch and all is good. Now, when I was 16, it was actually a little more like that. Actually, it was a little closer to that. But in this situation, I had broken so hard and so much that I had to rebuild my entire life, my entire psyche, my entire mindset and decide who I wanted to be and what I wanted to be. I mean, before this, my, my book, my upcoming book is titled The Unintentional Asshole. And before this experience, that's exactly who I was. I was the guy who had a good heart, but couldn't connect it in a great way. So it came out as ego. And anytime you see ego in somebody, you can be assured that it is covering insecurity. And insecurity comes from lack of alignment. I was completely unaligned I, 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 in everything that I was doing without it seeming that way to the external world because I could mask it well. Well, I had to figure out who did I want to be? Who was I really? Where was I? Where was I really going to go? And I started building my world to go forward and deciding that I was going to be a very different person than I'd been. And it was the hardest work I've ever done in my life. You know, and I can totally relate. Like when, when I was on your show, you know, we talked about Memorial Day 2012, um, the day that I attempted suicide, and thank God I didn't go through with it. But it was hard not knowing who I was because I was so wrapped up in being Sergeant Kaufman and, you know, military man, hoo-hoo-hoo. Hoo -hoo so, you know, trying to learn how to reimagine your life, it's like, where do you start? Right. You know, because here I am, um, you know, yeah. back when I was 40, close to 40, you know, now I'm blind and now I don't have my career anymore. 
And it's, it's and by the way, by the way, the rest of life is going on around you still. Like yeah. you still have to navigate all these other things. That's the part that we miss too. Like in my case, I didn't, I didn't lose my position almost, uh, but, but I didn't. But I look at it and like the world just went on and you're sitting there like it feels so disconnected. Would you agree? Like you like it's almost surreal as you're trying to sort it out. And you're like, but how can everything else go on when I'm sitting here? Yeah. And now the the thing is, you know, as this whole thing is unfurling, you know, I'm still working a full time job at GNC. So I'm still in sales. But now I go from this deep, dark depression at home. So now I got to be on, right. you know, I gotta be, you know, sales guy. I got to be pumped up. I got to be motivated. And then I go back and then I'm back in the dumps again. So it's kind of like that, that emotional roller coaster. Cause you're, you know, you're dying inside, right. but, you're like, but I got to make a sale, you know? So it was kind of like, it was a really weird feel. It was kind of like being outside of your body and you're watching yeah. some movie. Yeah. Yeah. It's you're right. And I, I saw that. And again, our situations were certainly different in what the impact was, but it, it was that it was that surreal nature and it blew me away. How did you come out of that? For me, it was just, um, honestly, it was going to therapy, um, talking to my, my wife and, and, uh, um, I started deep diving into a guy named somebody, this, this little known, um, podcaster called, uh, Gary Vaynerchuk. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I took a deep dive into what he was doing and then I met him and blah, 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 had lunch, all that good stuff. And then it was just, all right, I may be blind, but there's somebody out there that I know personally that's a quadruple amputee and they're out in Aspen skiing. So it's kind of like, it's like, okay. If you they don't can have, do that. Right. Yeah, exactly. It's like, you, okay, you don't have it that bad, you know, so start picking yourself up. So that, that's what I started doing. I started reading a, a lot of books about people that came back from, you know, different stuff. Like, you know, T.D. Jakes is one of my favorite pastors you know, and people didn't realize that he had a stu- stuttering problem. And, that, right. and now he's the best teachers in the world. So that's when I just decided, all right, what makes these people tick? What makes the people that are not supposed to be successful, like Mr. Les Brown? Oh, yeah, I was just going to mention him. So what makes him so, you know, come back to what he's come back to? So that's that's how it all started. And, and now um, I'm realizing, you know, that like Mr. Rohn, Jim Rohn says, you know, you are the average of the five people that you associate with the most. So I, I stopped, I started uh, hanging out with the people that I actually wanted to be like. Um, so that, that's, that's what actually started turning me around. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. And I came to those understandings later and it, the, the average of the five is one of the top things that drives me in the world because my number one core belief is people matter most and relationships are everything. And when we, when we have that as our focus and we understand that we become that average of five and we choose who we're going to spend the time with very intentionally, a lot of things change. So now, okay, now we're going to catch up to modern time. Now we're going to catch up to um, 
what you're doing now. And then I want to maybe take a deep dive masterclass into sales in the, the, the year 2021, you know, going into 2022, we're in quarter four. A lot of people are going to start slacking off this last month. But I think that if they watch this show, they're actually going to get pumped up to start kicking ass in November and December in order to push them over until 2022, because it's all about momentum. You know, even like sometimes you'll see football teams, even though they have um, they're having a bad month, all of a sudden they win two, three games in a row and all of a sudden they're in the Super Bowl. It's because of that momentum. So I I agree. And and when you talk about momentum, that's been one of my favorite topics recently, as has sales. So I'm looking forward to getting into that. But when you think about momentum, I one thing I've discovered through my studies, through the through my practice with my clients and through the, all, many, many people that I've worked with is that there's a path to momentum and it's a very predictable path. It's find your calm and then it is gain your clarity. So know where you're going so that you can reverse engineer it. And then focus your efforts into one thing, not 10 or 20. And then if you do that, that is the path to true momentum. And you look at, you, you talked about the sports teams or football teams. You, you look at them and if they've got a single mission and they know right what they're aiming at and they put all their focus into that, what do you know? They gain more momentum. And as long as they stay calm in a way that allows them to respond not necessarily purely to make decisions, not necessarily purely, purely from emotion, but rather to have that calmness of leadership. And when they have that, it's amazing how much further they go, how much faster. That's one of the paths that I work on with my clients. You asked what I was focused on right now. Well, that's one I've been working with my coaching clients adding, I have just a couple more spots available I, throughout my, throughout all my health journey. I had, finished up with a number of clients and had not had the space in there to replace those spots. And I don't often have openings. And so now I'm adding a couple, which is wonderful. I love being able to meet new people and work with them because once I work with a client, I often work with them for months or years. And then I am working on our online learning platform, Foundations of Success, our podcast, and all of those are fun. And one of the things I'm most excited about is I'm getting out and speaking again. I am so I, I'm looking for that many more speaking opportunities. I had been booked in 20 countries, and then that got all wiped out with the pandemic. So I'm looking to get back to that. And the last thing that I'll say, because I think it transitions right where you want to go is that I have been back into training sales. I spent 25 years in the sales industry. I helped hundreds of people make six figures selling after becoming one of the top in the, in the home improvement industry before that. And then I, I've helped so many and I teach sales in such a different way. And I, and I do that because I, I want to teach heart-centered people how to sell. And there are so many barriers with that. You're speaking to heart-centered people. Most heart-centered people get either feeling squicky about sales or they or they just don't want to do it or they don't build the skill at it or, God forbid, they're afraid of the money. But all of these different barriers that they have, I just did a masterclass on it. I'm actually doing a, a sales workshop to help people build their sales equation and their sales presentation and their pricing strategy in the next couple of weeks. So there are still a few spots with that. So where do you, where do you want to go, my friend? Well, see, like for me and 
once you know this podcast you know started it started off as a labor of love and now it's just, it's still a labor of love but it's becoming much more than i thought it ever would but it's yeah. becoming a business right you know it's becoming where you know just having this um you know stream yard somebody's got to pay for it right you know, you know you know the time that i'm taking to do you know i always felt weird you know talking and you know talking about getting paid sponsorships but the funny the people that are you know paying now for the sponsorships is relationships i've built over the last couple years so it's kind of like they know me they know the kind of person that i am and because we built up the relationships over these years they're willing to invest in me because i've invested them for the first two and a half years not one person paid me for sponsorship and i put on sponsors on every show that i've ever done it's all been about to help other people so for me when when i first you know started it was all about you know paint help helping everybody else but then sometimes you're like wait a minute you know <laughs> i'm paying somebody to promote the show you know i'm paying for somebody to do the graphics so i need you know i i can only give so much until my work my wife starts whipping my ass you know? <laughs> fair enough so yeah talk, so talk about you know building relationships um, but also talk about because I think still a lot of people don't realize you can barter still services in today's market, you know. Like, so talk well, about. Yeah, you you can and you you can and you should. But let I'd like to start with with a a core principle here that 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 you touched on that is so important, especially with the creatives and the heart centered leaders that I work with. And I, I see this so often is that there's a perception that there is that there is money over here and that there is service over here and that these are two separate things. And yeah. people think, oh, well, if I pursue money, then I'm not serving people. And if you do pursue money as the first intent, as the primary thing that you are doing, then guess what? You are going to end up, in many cases, short of your goals. You're going to end up often hollow or underserved. Not always, but generally. If you focus purely upon serving, then you, but nothing else with no other thought and be like, ah, money, I don't need any of that, then you end up broke. And there is a clear path here that without profit, you lose the privilege to serve. And so the answer, and this is, it's a surprising answer for many is if you serve, in other words, if your mission is to do everything you can to help other people win, period, then you apply a layer of strategy on top of that. Strategy is not a dirty word. So you're focused on the people and helping the people, but you apply strategy to that. Something very interesting happens. Money is the natural outflow of that. You can't not make money if you do that well. It's literally impossible not to. Also, really cool and, the, and of interest to this same group of people is impact is the natural outflow of that. So what happens is we get people like yourself, like me at different points in my life, and like so many that I work with when I meet them that are so focused upon service and they're like, ah, oh, not the money, not the money, I'm just going to give and give. And they end up where they have no revenue coming in. And so now they have a very small impact that just can't grow unless they get lucky and grab a lottery ticket. 
But when you apply that strategy, everything changes. Exponential increases are completely possible at that point. And that path is exactly why I, I, one of the two or three reasons that I believe that I can help anybody make six figures without question in any industry. And I've helped people do it in some really narrow niches. It's absolutely there. So I just, I wanted to start with that principle, Richard, because I, I think it's such a misconceived understanding in the world. And I wanted to get past that. I love that. And you're, like you said, you're speaking to me because, you know, I didn't realize it until I, I don't remember. I got three books in the mail and I just devoured them all. And they kept talking about just go for it, you know, just do it. And I didn't realize like until I had somebody do my graphics, you know, because now we got the little graphic up there and uh, nice graphic too. Until I had somebody do my, you know, promoter, you know, because now, you know, my first show I've had, I did almost 300 episodes. It only had like 6,000 downloads. Now we're at 86 episodes and we have over 100 110,000 downloads. So I mean that means I'm helping more people. That means yes. more people are listening. I'm able to get in people's ears where if I didn't spend that little extra money then I wouldn't be able to help more people. And for me it's kind of like once you're well, one one thing that Ed Milet always talks about is the reticular activating system in your mind that once you start looking for success, you know, once you start looking for opportunities, they're going to come. Right. But you have to focus, you know, like I I had John Lee Dumas on my show last week and he was talking about how a lot, 90% of people that are in podcasting or in business don't know who their avatar is. You know, he says, you know, sometimes you you only need to go an inch wide, but sometimes you got to go mile deep. And find out who your avatar is, because like Jim Rohn says, you know, if you're if you're selling to everybody, you're selling to nobody. So talk to us a little bit about that. Talk to us about niching down until sometime. (laughs) Well, that's that's an important thing in whatever you're doing. And and the funny thing is, when I started my business, I had people that would come to me and tell me now I I had built businesses. I built businesses anywhere from a million to a hundred million beyond. I'd, I'd run teams of $200 million. I'd done a lot, but I had never started a business from zero before I started my business. I learned that I was a refiner, not a creator. I learned that that was going to take time, all of those. But one of the conversations that was had with me frequently was, Dan, you need to know your niche. And I looked at them. I remember I looked at them dead in the eye and I said, no, you need to know yours, but I can help everybody. Yeah, we all know what happened. Everybody who's listening now knows what happened, right? I I go through and I'm fortunate. I have a couple of great coaching clients and that was wonderful, but my business didn't grow and I didn't help a lot of people and nobody was coming to me. So I had to start asking the important questions that help you determine your niche very quickly. Who is it that is drawn to me? Who is it that feels like I have felt? Who do I naturally serve? Whose language and energy do I speak with? And those questions led me to my audience, which are women creatives and people in the LGBTQ community. Those three groups make up 95% of my community. And I know the why of that. I can go narrower than that for different things that I'm doing. Like when I aim at, when I aim at sales or if I'm aiming at time effectiveness for our podcast, it's, 
it is very similar. I actually have a broader reach for my podcast in many cases because our podcast is about dreams and achieving dreams. And so it is about those who maybe their dreams were tamped down as a child and they they got smaller, but they they have they have this desire to I, I really want to go after my dream or I want to believe that dreams are possible. And so we share these deeper stories, but knowing who you serve. And knowing how you serve them is important. I'm going to bring this back to sales because two things. One, and I, I could give you 502 things, but let's let's do two of them. One is the very first person on anything you do who has to be sold is you. If you are not sold on what you do, if you wouldn't buy from you, then other people won't either. If you don't think, man, what I'm doing is an incredible value, then other people won't either. On the flip side, if you do believe that, then other people can't help but buy from you. Okay, so now we're going now we're, we're going to get deep into this because um, I think I told you a story. You know that I got a job selling timeshares, and my first six months I didn't sell one, and my manager sat me down, and I'm like bro, I, I know all the, the the training you've given me. I know all the closes. Why am I not selling? He's like, because you don't own one. Yep. And it, I sat back and I'm going, I don't get it. He says, you know what? Buy a small timeshare, go on vacation and come back and we'll see how you do. So I bought a timeshare you know, went to Disney, had a great time, uh, had took pictures and everything. And then when I got back on the tables, I was crushing it. I mean, I was killing it, you know, three, four sales a day. And my, my manager said, see, when a person says, well, I can't afford it. And that when you pull out your picture it says, yeah, well, I couldn't afford it either. But now I'm hanging out in Disney. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? So if you don't own a product, it's hard for you, anybody to believe in it. Just like when I was with GNC, I would tell all the new hires, I want you to buy a product. I want you to use a product. And your sales are going to go up 300% because you're using it. You believe in it. Yep. That's going to be your go-to. One, one of the companies that I worked for, every time that we would have a promotion everybody would get a hyper discounted version of the product, like 80% off just enough to cover even like shipping. It wasn't even really the cost. It would cover that. And we wanted them to invest a little bit because we wanted them to be involved in it. Right. But they would get it. And it was amazing the day after we would, and you would see sometimes the, the, we would get the stock for the employees in a little later and you would see that the sales would be low and then two days, like a day or two after we got we got it in, the sales would just skyrocket. It's the same thing. When you are offering yourself as a service, see, many of us have sold other people's stuff, yeah. timeshares, home mm -hmm. improvements, things like that. I had done that for a long, long time. I can tell you that when I started my own company, it was like, wait a minute, this feels different. Because now we're not saying this other person has value, which in life we go around and say this other person has value all the time, right? Especially if we're heart-centered. We're now saying, I have value. What I can help you do makes a difference. And this is, this is where a couple of other important things really come in, which is the purpose of selling 
it isn't about selling at all. It's about doing one of two things. Everything that you do as a business for someone else should either relieve a pain or solve a problem. And if you're, and if you understand which pain they're feeling or which problem they have and your solution solves that, then you have a higher chance of winning. If it doesn't, if you don't tie it to that, if you're just trying to sell it to make some money, you can do it. And I mean, heck, there are tricks, there are manipulative tactics, there are all kinds of things to do it. But if you're doing it from a heart-centered way and you understand that everything you do is to either relieve a pain or solve a problem, that's a good start. And it gets you past one of the few barriers that are really in the way of heart-centered sales. And, and this is one that I want to talk about because we miss it so much there are three primary barriers. And the the one that I would talk about is this. We refuse as heart-centered salespeople to allow people to do the thing that they must do if they're going to be excited to purchase what we do, what we have, the solution that we have. And that is to sit in the pain. You see, I, I, I want to paint a picture for you and I'll take it from my own world when I was selling kitchens. Before I get there, picture husband and wife, they're sitting at the kitchen table, they're looking at their kitchen and they're like, oh my gosh, these cabinets, the doors are hanging off, everything's sticky, the, there's a leak under the sink, the the, ca- the countertop is peeling, the, the, the sink itself is broken and it's been broken for years. This is horrible. And they had to get they had to get to a spot where it bothered them so much to where it was so painful that they reached out and were willing to talk to a salesperson. Right. So they got over that barrier. And then I walk in and I saw this thousands of times. I walk in and now keep in mind, that's the real level, non-exaggerated level of pain that they were in. Now I walk in and I'm like, hey guys, how's it going? You know what, you know, what so what brings us out here today? And that's not the question I would ask, but the point would be made. They and they look at me and they go, Oh, well, you know, our kitchen's not so bad, but we're debating, you know, maybe sometime in the future changing it. Those are two very different situations, right? And from that situation, what is the likelihood that they're going to jump up and go, Yeah, I need, I'm, we're gonna, we're ready to go ahead and get something done. But the minute before I got there, the second before I got there, they're in excruciating pain because they've been suffering with this for 17 years and they've wanted it so bad. In sales, when we work with people, when we connect with people, we've got to remember that when they're at home or when they're in their own world, there is a real pain that they're feeling. Never exaggerate their pain beyond what it is. Never make up a problem that doesn't exist and don't offer a solution that doesn't actually match. So be ethical, be moral, be legal, be right, and be helpful. But then you've got to take a moment to remind them, to ask questions that remind them of the pain that is really going on. Now, I teach a whole process that allows this to occur in a good way. And then let them sit there for a minute, ask things like, what, what would happen if you don't change that? What's it? What are you going to feel like in 30 days if this is the same? And Guys, you're look I want to be clear, you're looking for the real answer. You're not looking for some fabricated BS answer, but the real answer is that would suck. That's horrible. We've wanted to change. Well, what do you know? How about we talk about solutions? That sit that being willing to let people experience pain goes against the fiber of the being of every heart-centered person. But consider this: if you do not remind them of the pain they are actually in, 
again, not exaggerated, but they're actually in, then if you aren't willing to allow them to suffer for another two minutes, you're likely to allow, you're likely to be the reason they suffer for another two years. I love it. And, you know, that's one thing, you know, I used to tell say, you know, er, earlier today, you know, I've done 360 interviews now, and now I'm finally learning who I'm talking to. Because <laughs> I invested in a course by Mr. Zach Babcock. I invested in a course with Mr. John Lee Dumas. You know, I, I've invested in a nonprofit architect, Mr. Travis Johnson. You know, and now I'm realizing, you know, the person I'm talking to is the guy I was a year ago and the guy that I want to be three years from now. That's my niche. That's, That's my, awesome. You know, I mean, the, the person, our audience is all, our niche is almost always the person we were when we were in our deepest struggle. So, you know, now we're coming on end of quarter, you know, end of year. And a lot of people start taking it easy. The holidays are coming around. They start slowing down. They start, you know, I'm going to go to work and, you know, I know we're going to be having lunch today. So I'm not really going to put in the work. But then their momentum really slows down. But there's that one guy in the office that's still dialing still making those phone calls, doubling down the efforts. And then those people that were not hustling and grinding get mad at him when he takes off in 2022. So talk to us about not taking the rest of November and December off. Well, a couple of things. One, just a basic principle, consistency beats intensity every time. If you go, you have so many people that'll say, I'm going to push really hard for this week. Now, I, I want to be clear. Take your vacations. Please, dear God, take your vacations. Like rest, relax, refresh. Self-care and personal growth are the first pillar of leadership. If you do, don't do those, you miss. Separating from that. When you are when you are in a place, if you were going to go to the gym and you say, "I'm going to work out for ten hours," would you work out ten hours in one day, or would you do it an or would you do it an hour a day for ten days? The results are going to be different. In one, you just get completely sore. In the other, you actually you actually build strength and you increase functionality. Well, the same is true in your business. If you go ten days that are not vacation days, but if you go ten days without consistent effort, not only do you not get stronger. You actually get weaker because in life we either go forward or we go backward. If we think we're sitting still, which is what most people who take these pauses think, they think, oh, I'm just sitting still. I'm just going to go into neutral. We get passed by inflation and inflation's going up pretty quick if anyone hasn't noticed. And so we get passed and we get, we degrade every day. Your skills don't improve. They degrade every day. Your business doesn't improve. It degrades. So you're making a conscious choice to do one or the other. You're not making a conscious choice to be neutral. Again, that's separate from self-care. The second point that I would, that I would make is this November and December are no different than January and February. They are the same. Every month, has a holiday every month has a special day every month has weekends every different months have different weather they have different things they have different activities that you may do but if you're thinking of your calendar in a healthy way then it won't change your behavior so let me give you an example of that it just from how i share with my clients to work with their calendar 
I encourage them to have a blank, have a completely blank calendar. They then decide how many hours am I going to dedicate to how many productive work hours will I have each week? And it's not just work hours, it's productive work hours, sitting and staring out the window, that whatever, that doesn't count. It's productive work hours. So then when they begin to fill out their blank calendar, the very first thing they put in is everything for them. Because if you aren't strong, if you aren't in a good place where you need to be, if you aren't healthy, then you lose and you can't take care of anyone else. And this is especially important for caregivers. Fill in this part first. So you put in your sleep, block your time for sleep. This isn't negotiable. Block the time for exercise, for gratitude, for meals. So if you eat well, if you eat right and consistently, you sleep right and consistently, you exercise right and consistently, lo and behold, your life will be better. So you block that. Then after you do that, now you take those hours that you have, those committed hours you've said for work and you block them in your calendar. And then you look and you say, hmm, what else do I have? Wait, I, I already blocked for time to spend. Like in my case, part of that first part where I'm blocking for meals and, and sleep, I also block time with my son, two hours every night with my son. And I make sure that the most important things are taken care of. But I put my I put my work on there. And then I commit that those are productive hours. And every day I mark, was it a productive hour or an unproductive hour? And I committed to a certain number for the week. If I committed to 30 productive hours, I was scheduled 40 because I know I'm going to miss some. If I commit to 40, I might schedule 55 because I know I'll miss some. But that leaves me a bunch of space. And all that space is the time that you can relax. All that space is the time you can choose to do other things. And the, the suggestion that I give for you is just be intentional with your choices. I find that if I have people do a time study, and, uh, and, and in my time effectiveness training, we do this. If you do a time study, almost everybody finds out that they lose at least two hours a day a day minimum. Most of them find four hours a day that they lose that nothing is being done during. Nothing positive, nothing negative. It's just lost time. Now imagine that. That's that's two hours a day. That is 60 hours a month, right? Or 60, I'm sorry. Yeah, that's it's more than, yeah, no, I was right. 60 hours a month. That's 700 hours a year. If I could hand you several days back, what would you do? Well, the point is you get the relaxation you want for the holidays. You're like, oh, I've earned it. You're right. You have. You get it. You commit to it. Just be intentional about it. Choose the space where it goes so that you don't lose the productivity of your business because without profit, you lose the productivity or you lose the, <laughs> you without profit, you lose the opportunity to serve. And that is so important to remember. Last thing is, think about how it feels in January when you've lost the momentum from December. And let that drive you and say, I'm not going to feel that way. At the very least, I'm going to be even. I'm going to treat it like every other month. One of the things I found when I sold and commissioned sales is that at first, I th it was very up and down. My commission was very up and down. I was all over the place. And I was straight commission. And I, 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 was, I felt a lot of anxiety because I didn't know what my check would be. By the time I stopped, I looked at it very differently. Someone said, Dan, how much money did you make today? And I mean, I could have made a thousand. I could have made zero, but I looked at them and I said, I made $600. And they said, well, how do you know? Oh, because I had three appointments. Well, what do you mean? Well, I know every appointment's worth $200. Guys, every day has a certain value and you can live by treating it in that even way. And, you know, and like they say, there's two things. 
you're not making any more land and you're also you're not getting any every day any day back so every day is like a dollar spent once you spend it it's done it's over so i i love that and you know i started really you know the first couple of years i was doing my podcast it was just i was writing shit down um, yeah but until i got calendly which i love it, it helps me out i'm so much more organized i can plan out my day i don't have i can look at my schedule and say okay i got two you know two interviews tomorrow i got to put out an episode tomorrow so it, it's really keeping me on track you know keeping a, a calendar but also writing my goals down every day. What gets measured gets done, right? You know, like for me, I, I wrote down and I, I felt bad last week. I wrote down every day that I wanted to play with my daughter and like two days I didn't get to. But when I went back the next day to look at it and I had to scratch it off because I didn't do it, it aggravated me because it was right. like, so now it's kind of like, all right, when I'm, you know, I'm writing things down is because if I don't accomplish them, then there's something wrong that I didn't do, you know? And of course yeah. life steps in its way, but you know, sometimes you have to like, you got to li live by a schedule, some kind of schedule. Like Tom Brady can tell you what he ate last Thursday at 7:40 PM, you know? Yeah. But I think to be successful, you have to live by some kind of calendar or else your time is going to dictate you and you're not going to dictate your time. I think that's really important, right? We is we we either control our time or our or our time controls us for sure. And you made a really important note in there that I want to make sure doesn't pass by everybody. And that is that you're scheduling time with your kid. And I started doing this about maybe eight or nine years ago. Is I I realized that what would happen is I would I would tell my son, oh, I'm gonna come play with you. I'll I'll be home at six, right? And then I'd be at work and I didn't have it on my calendar or anything like that. I'd be at work and I'd be in a five o'clock meeting, get run over. Next thing you know, I get home at 730 and my kid looks all disappointed. And I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry. So then I started doing something. I started blocking my calendar and putting an appointment right on the calendar. Play with Bryce. That's my son's name. My son is my world. And Oddly enough, it'd get to be, you know, it'd be, it, it, we'd be in our five o'clock appointment. It'd be going till six. It'd be 10 to six. I was like, guys, I got to leave in 10 minutes. Why? I have another appointment. And it completely changed how I interacted with that because now I said, I, I was no longer treating my work appointments as more valuable than my home appointments because I put them in that same space. And it's amazing how when we put something on our calendar, we treat it as important. When we don't, we don't. And I wanted to show my son that he was a priority in my life. And you're, you're, the way you're talking about that is very similar. And I didn't want to miss that because I find that only about 3% of people at most do that. Well, but no, but now that, you know, like when I do my cardio every day, um, I'm listening to an audio, audio, audible book, and I'm listening to some very successful people. And that is what exactly what they do. They schedule family time. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I was lacking. And I didn't want to, you know, I was talking to somebody and I said, you know, some people are so rich, all they have money. Right. But, yes. You know, they go back to their big house and then they're eating at their kitchen table alone. And I don't want to be that guy. So now last question is, um, two questions, actually. How do we find you? How can we support your mission? 
how do we find your podcast? And if we want to be coached by you, how do we find you? Well, I'm pretty easy to find, thankfully. So if you look up either Leaders Must Lead, which is my company, or my name, Dan McPherson, you'll find me on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, all over the place. Honestly, the easiest place to probably catch me is Facebook Messenger. I know you and I chat there a lot. And you can also email me at dmcpherson at leadersmustlead.com. And check out the podcast, which is Dreams Are Real. And we're on all the many platforms. We are, I think, episode 166 or so this week. So we're we're moving along a little bit. And it's been fun. And we, we listened to Richard's episode. His story is super powerful. You definitely should hear that. And if I can be of any help in just helping you take one step closer to your dreams, if I can help you find your calm and understand your next steps, which are the two people, the vast majority, two things the vast majority of people want, then please reach out. Let's have a conversation, no cost, and, and let's let's get to know each other. Let's share our stories with one another and then see how I might be able to support you or what direction I may be able to point you or what connection I can help make for you. And if I can support you from a coaching perspective, I'm more than glad to do so. I do have a couple of spots left and I love, love, love to help people take the next step toward their dreams. Okay. Last question I have. If there's somebody out there that's struggling with their mental health, what is something they can do in the next 24 hours to start to get some help so they don't end up trying, maybe walking in front of a uh, train you know, maybe not driving into a, a pylon at 100 miles an hour. What can somebody do if they're listening right now to get some help? It's a powerful and a critical question. And I used to say, reach out to somebody. And I think if you can, if you're in the space where you still can, then that's great. I find when I'm struggling that much, I have a hard time reaching out. It feels almost insurmountable. I don't know what to say. I don't know how to do it. Please know that you can reach out. Like message, message me, reach out to the suicide prevention hotline, have the conversation. But if you're not in a space to do that, my encouragement to you would be to do two things. One is to plan something that you actually are excited about, no matter how small, and schedule it for a date that is less, that is more than two weeks and less than 30 days from now. And give yourself something to look forward to because that becomes your dot of light. And if your dot of light gets you through tonight, then you're in a better spot. The second is this. Listen to something that is inspirational, that, it, that connects of somebody who's been where you are, whether that be the dreams are real podcast, 50 of my guests have talked about suicide, whether it be Richard's podcast, where so many people have talked about this struggle, whether it be the videos on my YouTube channel, my leaders must lead YouTube channel that are labeled depression from the inside, where I share my story, whatever it may be. It's interesting what happens when we listen to others who we connect with, who have been where we are, who can share with us that there is light and there is hope is that we grab the tiniest sliver. And the reason I give that as a piece of advice is because it's the smallest. We talk about in, in products about the MVP, the minimum viable product. This is like the minimum viable action is press play, literally press play and just listen. And then listen again. It is that tiny dot of light that gets you through the night. And 
the final thing that I would say to this, because I, I think it's so important, is please know that wherever you are, who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter what you've been through, no matter what, you are valid and valuable. You matter. And the experiences of the thousands of people that I've had this conversation with would prove over and over and over that there, that no matter how dark it feels, no matter how small the light is, there is always light through the darkness. And upon reflection, the power of your story of having made it through that moment can transform the world in ways that you don't even see right now. You matter, period. I love it, Dan. Thank you so much. Well, guys, if you've listened to this, please uh, leave a comment. Make sure you subscribe. Make sure you share. Also, guys, we got brand new Vertical Momentum coffees coming out next week. So if you guys like high-octane high coffee, it's coming out next week. We got the swag, whatever the T-shirt is, the new the new swag coming out. So if you guys want to support us that way, all the, all the money, 100% of it goes to help veterans and first responders struggling with mental health issues. So, Dan, I just want to say thank you, brother. I'm so grateful. And uh, thank you for being in my inner circle. You're always there whenever I need a little bit of pick-me-up. And I'm glad that I've been able to be there for you, even just sending those goofy messages every once in a while. Hey, man, thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for having me here. Thank you for your heart and your light in the world, my friend. What you are doing matters, and we appreciate you. Hi, right, brother. God bless and have an amazing week. Thank you for joining us today. Please hit subscribe and share. Please feel free to leave us a comment.